Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. Now, from time to time, I like to do interviews. I like to interview people that are putting out interesting content or they have resources that are very valuable for the body of Christ. And it's in that vein, then, I'm excited to uh, to bring on to Fighting for the Faith uh, Jesse Westwood. Uh, Jesse? Good to see you, sir. Good to see you again. So, uh, all right, we're, we're going to talk about your your new project. You're you're putting out a series of YouTube videos discussing mm-hmm. your time at uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, which some of the folks there they call it Hogwarts, yes. and <laughs> that th- this is what they call it. And uh, and so I, I want to walk through uh, you know a few things and, and note here. I, I if you uh, do not subscribe to Jesse's channel, you need to subscribe to Jesse's channel. We're going to put a link down below, and uh, so that you can you can get to it. But uh, I, I really think that this uh, Breaking Bethel uh, series, by the way, great name, Breaking Bethel. Uh, you know, my wife tried to get me to watch the uh, the Breaking Bad uh, television series, and I couldn't get past the first episode because the good guy's a bad. guy guy and I like have problems with that you know yeah <laughs> so, so you know but you know but uh, alas I maybe I'll take another run at it another day but um Breaking Bethel. Now, you and I met uh, over the summer when we were in uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, filming the American Gospel Three, and that was the first time I, I had ever had a chance to get to meet you and talk with you, and um, yeah. was very interested in in the history that you have, and uh, and the story that you tell because you you were at Bethel not recently. Uh, how mm-hmm. long ago was it that you were at, at Bethel School of Super? Supernatural ministry. Yeah, so I went right after high school. Um, it was 2007 when I went out there. So I was at from 2008 to 2011 was kind of my my year. Uh, okay. And so I did first year, second year, and I did third year uh, interning um, under uh, one of the head engineers and producers um, who had a studio called The Sound House. Okay. Um, and I interned there, and my internship entailed basically being part of the production crew and engineering crew for about four or five Bethel albums and Jesus Culture albums, and then helping with live sound and engineering as well uh, with those. So I got to be work really closely to a lot of people there and uh, really be in the thick of it. So yeah. Okay. So I mean, it's fair to say that you understand their culture. You under you 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 were mm-hmm. embedded in in the projects that they were producing. You w- played a vital yeah. role in some of these things. So you're not an outsider. You're you're an insider. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and as a result of that, uh, you're pretty close then with some of the people who are presently leaders uh, in Bethel and BSSM. Are you not? Um, yeah, it's a kind of hard way. I don't know if close is the right word. I mean, I was close. Like, that's okay. the thing. Like, there's a lot of people at Bethel that um, some have left Bethel since and they're doing other projects. Um, but many of the people who are currently on staff at Bethel were people that were in my class when I was in first year. Got uh, it. So people I know personally. Um, and uh, yeah, just I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the names that were bigger at Bethel were also in my class, like uh, like Matt Stinton, Stephanie Gretzinger, um, Will Matthews, for instance, all those guys uh, I ran pretty close with, um, and like even like Will Matthews actually lived with me for a little bit, <laughs> a little bit wow. at one point uh, for for like a week or so when he was looking for a place to stay there. And so it's like, yeah, I just I've ran with these people and I've known them, yeah. 
So, okay. Yeah. Which which always makes it difficult uh, for the type yeah. of work that you're doing because mm-hmm. um, you you have these relationships. I mean, even if you haven't mm-hmm. spoken with them in years, you know these yeah. people personally. You have a history with them, and uh, and you know what they sound like. You know what foods they like. You know you've you've laughed with yeah. them. You've cried with them, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Which which means that going public with your story in a critical as a as a critical approach to you know to yeah. raise concern about Bethel, um, have any of these people reached out to you to say you know listen this is you know you, you know you're gone too far here you're, what you're doing is not right, not not yet I mean like and that's the thing it, it's I had to clarify on the last video some people are like why are you applying to Bethel right now I'm like no no this is like twelve years ago. <laughs> <laughs> one person we're telling a story like, we're telling a story i know yeah. someone some, some thought i was 17 i'm like i'll take the compliment i'm definitely not 17 um uh but i mean i when i when i graduated from bethel i didn't leave on a bad note like okay. i was very I, I was very happy with my time at bethel um i left to go chase a girl who ended up being my wife um <laughs> up north in washington state um i would have stayed there longer probably if i if i didn't you know meet her um, but it's, it, I've been getting more responses from the, the churches and people that I ran with after Bethel. Cause after leaving Bethel, I continued to work with other churches that are either Bethel affiliated, p- part of the global legacy network, or just love Bethel. And so I made a lot more connections after that and then circled back to Bethel again. I even went back to Reading on tour with Sean Foyt at one point, uh, while still, you know, loving Bethel. So it was kind of a welcome home thing, which is cool. Um, so m- m- most of the responses and reactions I'm getting from more of my friend circles from up north when I was doing that, I've got one or two, eh, about two or three fellow alumni that are actually thankful for what I'm doing. And we're talking about potentially interviewing them later down the road and having a discussion. Right. Okay. So um, I've watched two episodes now of Breaking yes. Bethel. Um, episode so two just launched today. Yeah. Your, your, your application process and being accepted and then week one. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, one of the things that struck me as I was watching your second episode was that, you know, that already in week one, they broke out a fire tunnel and, <laughs> and you didn't sit there and go, what is this? Where well, is this? I was this like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tell me what is your, your, what did you, how did you grow up that, you, you know, first week at Bethel, they break out a fire tunnel and you're not sitting there looking in your Bible going, wait a second, this doesn't seem right. Uh, you know, what, <laughs> what created the theology where fire tunnels in the first week at BSSM are okay? Well, I mean, it's in chapter two of Book of Hesitations. Right, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right next no, to prayers uh, to the Virgin Mary. I get it, yes. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, no, I grew up in a very charismatic church. I mean, so my background's a little, it's a mixed bag. We talked a little bit about it, but I mean, mm-hmm. for, for sake of the viewers, is, you know, I, I grew up, I went to a Mennonite private school. Uh, my grandmother was the choir director of a Methodist church. And then from like age eight and on, I was at a kind of a non-denominational charismatic church. And that's where I really cut my teeth in like doing worship and leading worship, being worship teams and prophetic worship. And like the, I'm used to like the one or two hour worship sets and people wow. going up, coming up, giving words and like, I got a word about something or I got a, I got a tongues. And then like, I just, that's just what I grew up in. And that's all I mm-hmm. knew of Christianity. 
And so when it came to Bethel, it was just like the cooler, more refined version of it with young people that wore skinny jeans. Okay. <laughs> it was really what it come down to. So I wasn't like, I wasn't put off by it at all. I was very excited about it. So th- those were the days of the hipsters, you know? So, you oh, know, yeah. I, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, are hipsters still a thing or are they really outmoded? You know, I, I, I don't I don't know. I buy my clothes from Walmart now, so I'm out of the scene. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you know, you know I, I saw you making sausage on one of your videos, and, and those, those overall coveralls are kind of important when you're making oh, sausage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're hip. Okay. So you know, I, there's just there's so many disconnects in my mind. I don't even yeah. know how to even approach it because, from the whole yeah. idea of attending a school, paying a school a tuition, mm-hmm. in order to learn how to do quote supernatural ministry, mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't this just like immediately run afoul of like you know Simon the Sorcerer Acts chapter eight kind of stuff? You know, you know, may, may you perish with your money because you think you could buy the gift of the Holy Spirit? You know, if I read my Bible, I probably would have thought that. <laughs> but <I> would, <laughs> okay. But I, was, I wasn't the best scholar with Bible. And that's the thing with most, I don't hate stereotype, but it is kind of a problem with the charismatics is there's a couple, you know, there's there's a handful of verses that they stick to and they're not the most, charismatics tend, don't tend to be the most scholarly, to be honest. That, that's changing a little bit, I think, but especially back when I was, my, my days in the charismatic camp, it wasn't the most scholarly. Okay. Um, so, I would say that the big thing was like when you're in those calls, and that's kind of thing that's part of the application process. What I want to talk about is that they, they want to make sure you're kind of lined up with their culture and what they're doing because like impartations was something my church was doing. And so when I was, I, you know, the idea of going to Bethel was based on that of like, Hey, you go to Bethel to get impartations from these teachers and these preachers that are, are practicing and doing all this stuff. And so it made perfect sense to go there because they have all these big leaders. Like they have like, you get the, you get the cornucopia of the big wigs, everyone from like George and William Banoff, Benjamin Dunn, yeah. Heidi Baker, like they, Che on, they all come there and you're at one spot where they're doing impartation services and all that stuff. And it's, that was a regular thing. And so for me, it just made total sense at the time. So impartations, activations, things like oh, this. Yeah. Okay, so um, you know, I'll just kind of throw a few things out. Yeah. One um, of the big controversies, and you mentioned this in your your second installment, uh, is uh, is the theology of of canonic the, the canonic view of Christ. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've noticed about Bill Johnson is he seems to be speaking out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, on the one hand, he'll sit there and say, Jesus did everything he did as a man yielded to the Holy Spirit. And then he even has in the past... A perfect relationship, as if Jesus is like the premier, uh, the uh, the alpha model, you know, the, the the pinnacle model of what it looks like for a charismatic to be able to operate in signs and wonders because they're yielded yeah. to the Holy Spirit. And mm-hmm. he's even used language of him laying aside his divinity in order to do this. Yep. Then, yep. when challenged and questioned, he doesn't apologize. He doesn't apologize. He more or less mm-hmm. accuses people of not understanding his position. And then yeah. he'll say that, I believe that Jesus was always fully man uh, and fully mm-hmm. God. 
And, and yeah. so the thing yeah. is, is that you can't reconcile the two statements because there's no apology in between. So it's yeah. as if he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth. And I, I remember when he spoke at Hillsong Conference, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is, uh, was it five, six years ago now? Yeah, I uh, and uh, and he he just perfect canonic theology, you know Jesus mm-hmm. laid aside his divinity and and, he, and the, you can you can still find this look for Bill Johnson mm-hmm. speaking at a Hillsong conference, and mm-hmm. you know and he he notes that uh, if Jesus did everything he did by virtue of the fact that he was God, then uh, then he, he had he has no model to follow. He's impressed, his, but he his line he's is not... you're you're re- you're reduced to a spectator. That's what mm-hmm. he says. You're reduced to a spectator. Yep. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what are your thoughts on on how Bethel has addressed the the controversy as it relates to the statements made by Bill Johnson, which clearly are canonic, which then when he when he clears it up, he denies that he denies Christ's deity, but the, yeah. the two the two the two statements can't be reconciled. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I know the moment I pu- publish that, I'm going to get people sending me links of like, "Well, here he recounted that, and here here's when he fixed that." And it's like I know those are going to pop up. And the problem I see is that their theology and their just everything they do falls apart without it. Because the way he talks about preaching a a full gospel with signs and wonders, for him that's interpreted in that you have to perform miracles, you have to see signs and wonders. And so there is this dance they have to do where you either have a healthy canonical understanding of Christ and we, we, he like Christ is an example to us. Absolutely. But oh, yeah. he's not like that. There's no denying that. I think, I think people will, will throw the baby out with the bathwater sometimes, but to the extent of like the miracles he performed, it's like, he's God. And so we can't use, we can't use the miracle standard as like he's God and he saw his miracles. So we should see the same thing. But without that, without that option to, to Bethel, it, their whole theology falls apart if, if mm-hmm. we can't have miracles as a standard. Yeah. And so it, they're almost forced in this position where they have to juggle the two. Because without it, well, then what's the point of everything else we're doing? Because that's why, we're, that's why we believe in miracles is because we believe Jesus was a man in perfect relationship with God performing miracles. So you, they have, they're kind of, they put themselves in this corner where they have to juggle the two. And I don't know if we'll ever get a straight answer out of it. Right. So, you know, it, you know, okay. So it's kind of like a political spin, you know, spin cycle where they're, they're saying things that, can, you know, the, to keep their base in check and, and somewhat discredit the, the critics. That's kind of yeah. how I see his statements. And, well, and, when, and when, the, when the Bethel Revisited came out, I told Kaylee right away, I'm like, my wife, I'm like, the first episode I saw, I'm like, this is total damage control. This is total damage control because a lot of things, and I'm going to actually, I'm going to do a series eventually of me breaking down the revisited. I know people have done it before, but like, there's so much I got to say about that. But long and short of it is a lot of things that they're denying and trying to correct. I was like, I was there. Hmm. Like, I saw you do these things or I saw you preach this. And it wasn't like a oopsie. It was like, this was part of the plan. And so there's just a lot there where it's like, it's total damage control. Yeah, and and as a shout out to the upcoming uh, American Gospel series, um, I would note uh, that uh, pay attention to the uh, the segments in the New American Gospel as it relates to grave soaking. 
Uh, yes. because I don't want to give too much away, but I know, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I want to whet your appetite. You're going to want to see this because I know that Jesse's going to weigh in on this. So, yes. But uh, the, 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 we'll we'll we'll, um, we'll make sure not to upset Brandon Kimber by saying anything here. Watch <laughs> you, American man. Gospel Three. You know that whole grave soaking thing will be brought up in in depth. So when we talk about then that this idea that signs and wonders and miracles are absolutely, as a friend of mine used to say, mandatory. They are mandatory over at, uh, at, uh, at Bethel, and everything's all about that. But are the miracles and the prophecies and the signs and the wonders that they are performing, are they even real? Because the stuff that I see coming out of Bethel reminds me of when I was like five years old and I was flipping channels on a Saturday morning. We used to have to use these things called a dial. Um, oh, and yeah. this is back in the day when, you know, I, I, li- I grew up in Southern California. So we had uh, Channel 2, CBS, Channel 4, NBC, 5 KTLA, 7 mm-hmm. ABC, over to 9 for, uh, you know, I forget what nine was at the time and then I love it uh, you know and the KKLA on on 11 but uh, and then there was a 13 that didn't come in very well on uh, where I lived but all that being said I remember flipping channels you know Saturday morning was the day you know you I would watch Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner and mm-hmm. and flip over and then I noticed that on Channel 11 on Saturdays after cartoons they would have professional wrestling and I remember watching a few things of professional wrestling, and my as a five-year-old, I was asking myself, "Is this real? Are they really fighting? It see it it doesn't seem real to me." And so I was I was struggling as a five-year-old regarding the the veracity of, yeah. of professional wrestling, you know, with Hulk Hogan yeah. and guys like that. Um, and I have that same feeling that I had when I was a five-year-old when I mm. look at the stories and the signs and wonders and the things that are supposedly supernatural coming out of Bethel. Is is this really God, the Holy Spirit? Because it sure does seem flaky to me. Yeah. So so it, I have a hard time with that question in a couple ways. Um, the So there was a lot of miracles, per se, um, that happened. My, Oh my, sorry, my little one's just climbing. Hey, Eden. Eden. She's, thank you. Shut the door, babe. She's literally climbing the wall and turning on the light off and on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's, it's a couple couple ways to answer that. So when you're there for three years, there's a lot of prayer, a lot of words of knowledge, a lot of conferences, healing rooms. I participate in the healing rooms, um, all kinds of stuff. And I... Here's the way I see it. If if a real miracle happened, I feel like it would be so pressed upon me to not forget it. Yeah. Like if there was something that was that an actual miracle that was like, oh my gosh, that happened. I feel like I could re- pull it up out of nowhere and tell you. But every time I try to recount one, it usually is some sort of thing like, oh, back pain or, oh, I had... Uh, you know, someone saying I, I, I couldn't hear well in one ear or something like that. And then they said they could hear... But I, I, and I, 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 and this is something that's hard for me. So like, I am still like, it's very raw and close to a lot of this. And so it's like, I, I don't want to deny, like, I, I know there's a couple of times they prayed for deaf people and they said, Hey, they can hear again. And I'm like, that's amazing. But was there any actual like scientific verifiable stuff that ever came out of it? No. And that's where the things I keep, I keep going back to. And I don't want, I don't want to, here's where I don't want to go. I don't want to grieve and be a skeptic of the works of God 
to an extent where like I discredit what he's done. But then in the same breath, I don't want to credit someone who has, even though they've done like, let's say one valid miracle, valid, valid miracle. And there's a myriad of false prophecies and things behind it. So like there's this juxtaposition where I'm like, I I, I so want to believe that that was a legit miracle that happened and God moved there. Because I know God, like in his sovereignty, I'm like a cessationist to the point where I don't think nothing can happen. Like I know that in his sovereignty, God can heal if he wants to. Like yeah. he can do that. He's allowed He's allowed to do what he wants. But I also don't want to go as far as just because it looked like a miracle and smelled like a miracle doesn't mean it's a miracle. When also there's a track record of false prophecy and so many questionable things behind it. So it's like, I, just being honest, I have a hard time juggling that. And like, yeah. where, where do I land on that? But, but for the most part, I'd say most miracles were like leg lengthening or back pain or I had a headache or stuff yeah. like that, which I don't make, I don't make light of. I would love to say that had happened, but it's like, I'm not going to say that every day I saw blind eyes open and deaf ears open every single day. Cause I did. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, th- this puts me in an awkward position because, you know, I'm, I'm a cessationist and by cessationist, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that all of the gifts have ceased. I'm saying that the apostolic yeah. sign gifts have. And, okay. yeah. um, and, and so, you know, I do not believe that we have prophets today. I do mm-hmm. not believe that we have miracle workers today, but I mm-hmm. believe that God performs miracles. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. So, in fact, I can legitimately say I have seen miraculous answers to prayer as a pastor. Uh, you know, I, I think back, you know, maybe this is, oh, what's, so this is like 2016, 2017. Uh, one of the ladies in, in the congregation that I serve up in Oslo, Minnesota, uh, she became very, very ill. She had sepsis. And uh, she, she, uh, I mean, she was fine one day. Next day, she's she's like hanging on to life. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, and I went and visited her in the hospital, thinking this is it. She's not going to make it. And the, and the doctors were not giving her a good prognosis either. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she. I mean, this this is the kind of stuff. That, and you know, it had been festering for a while, and then and then just mm-hmm. like things exploded. And it's like she's. You know, I'm thinking I got to plan a funeral, and yeah. uh, and so I offered a very humble please god have mercy on her kind of prayer and if it's your will heal her and yeah. the next day i get a phone call from her and she's made a complete 180 wow. and 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 the the day after that she's out of the hospital and it's like wow. what <laughs> you yeah know? Yeah, yeah. Now, does that make me a miracle worker? No, (laughs) not at all. You know, and I can legit. And here's the thing: I can back it up with medical documentation too. And uh, and but the thing is, is that I'm not a miracle worker. I just prayed, and God answered prayer. So I believe that God can answer prayer. Right? Exactly. Humbly. That's the big thing, and that's that's the other thing is that it's the idea of formulating or excuse me, making a formula out of how to see a miracle where it's like, you can't like, I can, I can rattle off the, the, the basic theology is like, you can't, you can't, uh, it's not asking because when you ask for a miracle, you're already starting in a place of doubt and not faith. So you have to declare have to, like that, that. That's where, that's where it starts. Like that, that's one of the first things they talk about. It's like, you have to, you have wow. to declare from a place of faith and knowing God's will. Like you, like, that's how we pray. We pray from a place of confidence and knowing God's will. And so we know God's will is to heal everyone. And so that's is where it? we start from. <laughs> is it? I know, now? right? <laughs> is it though? <laughs> and so the prayer, you don't, and like, you know, Bill said multiple times, we don't pray 
that if it is your will because that's already that's bad theology because we know it's your will be done on earth as it is in heaven like that's jesus prayer so they take that that take the lord's prayer your kingdom come your will be done and what's mm-hmm. his will his will is to heal everyone because if the kingdom of heaven has come unto earth there's no sickness in heaven so bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth means bring bring all health and no sickness. That makes sense. Like I can, yeah. I feel like you and I could have many conversations about this. We did a little bit about of that at the thing where like you would say, "Why do they think this?" I'm like, I can tell you. <laughs> like I know how right. they got there. <laughs> you know, it's one thing to it's it's one thing to know what their theology is, and yes. you know, I'm a researcher. Uh, you know, yeah. and I was in the latter rain movement in the late mm-hmm. '80s. My wife yeah. and I both. Um, but I've, it's been so long since I've been yeah. you know out of it, and and I. I never was really into kind of the third wave stuff that Bethel, you know, has been bringing in that, um, that I I don't know how to think their thoughts. So there's, there's these underlying thoughts, (laughs) right. You know, it's, 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 I I liken it when we came out of the latter rain, the best analogy is, is that it's like trying to switch operating systems on a computer, you know, uh, you know, you have to go from, you know, you have to go from windows to Mac Macintosh because Macintosh is holy, but um, but but you, yeah, you, you Apple's ha- you, so holy, right, right, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It, it, it's an it's an analogy. It's a metaphor, Jesse. It's a, yeah, yeah. But Apple's but the, the idea technology. that. Right. It, it, you have to completely change operating systems because yeah. the fundamental core assumptions of the theology of Bethel are yeah. very different than the fundamental core assumptions of yeah. biblical Christianity. And, yes. and, and that's the distinction that I make. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the videos I saw, and this is a while ago, they, they would do these um, uh, like prophetic evangelistic uh, treasure hunts. Did you ever participate in anything like that? So I don't know if you remember the end of episode two. We'll, we'll uh, sneak peek that. So end of episode two, uh, I talked about how I'm going to start. We're going to go over that. I actually ran, I was participated in ran treasure hunts for two years at Bethel. Really? Yeah, like I read the book, Kevin Dedman's book. I went to the classes and then I participated and ran them for people that were visiting Bethel and people that were coming to Bethel and wanted to do treasure hunts. I'd be the guy that would be on a Thursday night. I'd be at the church after the worship service. They'd come into the fireside room and I'd get one ready, teach them what to do, fill out our cards, and we'd go do fire. We would go do treasure hunts. Wow. I remember the video that I saw. There was yeah. a, a person on on there who who was talking to a, an unbeliever and yeah. and said that God told me to tell you that you're just amazing, that you're wonderful, yep. that you know. Yep. And and all of these words of affirmation and I'm thinking that ain't the God of the Bible. Where is the is there a doctrine of original sin at all at Bethel? Mm-hmm. What is, what is their um, view of like the the rank pagan who doesn't believe in Jesus? Yeah, and that, that's you know it's funny you say because that's one of one of the first videos that I watched of you. Uh, a friend of mine sent me the Wake Up Olive videos, and you kept saying, uh, "I think I told you before." You kept saying, "What what faith is this? And what, what God religion? is this? Yeah. What religion is this?" And that hit me. I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm a Christian," <laughs> and like that that hit me hard, but. So to answer your question, though, it's it's um, there there that really isn't. So the way prophecy to answer that question, we have to kind of go at what is Bethel's view on prophecy and how do we use prophecy? Mm-hmm. At the core, prophecy is taught at Bethel to use to call the golden people. Um, I can't give you a, a, an address for that in the Bible, but that's what 
the golden people. That's that is what we're taught. We're taught, and that's the. I, and so, okay, it's, I'm gonna follow with me here. I'm gonna give you a full picture. So, prophecy is used to bring out the golden people, to call it the golden people, and to 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 see people the way God sees them. That's kind of the language they use. It's like, how does God see them? If if you see them as a terrible person, God God only makes good things, and so we need to see the good in them that God has made. So that's how treasure hunts come along because treasure hunts is we're calling out the gold. We're finding the gold that's out on the street. So that's the idea of a treasure hunt. They are the treasure. And so when we find them, we're now then required. The idea is we're not, we're not there. We, we tell them. We're not here to tell them how terrible they are. We're not here to tell them what awful person they are. We want to tell them that God sees them as a treasure. That, that God, the idea of a treasure hunt is once you get them, it's, hey, uh, you have officially made it kind of the point of like we have all coordinated together here and we have arrived to this location to where you are now the treasure and god has coordinated lined this up and we found you like you are the person with the jersey with red hair you're a guy in starbucks with a foot foot pain like the five we hit all five of them so you are god's treasure and he lined this up to find you, to pray for you, and tell you how amazing you are, and that's what we're here to do. And like, that's the idea. And a lot, a lot of times, it'd be like you, you'd start off with like, "I God has lined this up, or God has ordained this, or God has sent us here to do this." Okay, so, yeah. which kind of leads to the this question: What did you do when you read biblical texts that contradicted like some of these core assumptions? So you, you know, you want to bring out the golden people, and you want you want to speak words to affirm to them the way God sees them. But what do you do in the Bethel context with like the Gospel of John, chapter three, verse thirty-six, which says, "Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life." Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You just don't read it, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Because <laughs> we're, we're, we're taking, like, we'll take all kinds, like, they're, they're, I mean, all, a lot of the verses, like a, a great example of, like, verses, if, I mean, to kind of give you an extent of how things are twisted and kind of, the, it's like, I, I look at it almost like two different worldviews. That you're dealing yeah. with and because like you're both reading the same thing but we're drawing completely different conclusions which is i mean that's that's theology at the core of it um but one, one of the big ones we talk about is like in i think it's in matthew where jesus has the parable of the the servant who was given the money and uh his debt was forgiven mm -hmm. and then he came back for the other guy and he didn't forgive his debt and he says you owe me the money after the king forgave the one servant's debt well, then he turns around and goes after the guy that owes him money and he doesn't forgive his debt. And then the king's like, well, what wicked servant are you? I'm going to release you to the tormentors because you haven't forgiven them. Like, and then, so like that, that's the parable, right? Yeah. So how Bethel uses this is the reason why he, he was released to the tormentors is because he didn't forgive the debt of the other. Okay. We can take that now and say, well, you are dealing with cancer because you have been released to the tormentors because you have not forgiven someone in your life. You have, you have opened a door to someone to allow sickness to last. I know, I know, but that, that's how this is taught. And so we're taught that when you're praying for someone and let's say you're not seeing a breakthrough in healing, you could say like, you maybe you get a word of knowledge and you say like, and that's another thing, word of knowledge is, we can go down there too. But he says, I, I feel like I had a word of knowledge about like, do you have like a bad relationship with your son? And like, oh, I haven't spoken to my son in like 15 years. It's like, I think you should call your son and forgive him 
and then we can pray for you and we we can see that breakthrough because i think that unforgiveness is what's letting that sin that 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 sickness hold on to you how is this any different than karma i don't know <laughs> okay and what do they then do because with benny the, johnson this, this, this is in the bible so <laughs> yeah well yeah it's they're they're twisting that text you know in in not rightly applying the meaning of it uh but what mm. do they do then with benny johnson she just died of breast cancer yeah that's a hard one man. was she we, released we, to we, the we, tormentors i don't know man that's a hard one i told you and we talked about this a little bit and, I, and there's a lot there where like that's a hard one because like i it's tough, man. Like I knew Benny. Like I, I've sat with Benny. I've hugged Benny. I've worshipped with Benny. I've been on ministry trips with Benny. It's like she's a sweet. She's a super sweet lady. She's incredibly nice, incredibly kind, and that was hard to see that happen. And then one of the things that I, I, I text told my wife. I said, I guarantee they're going to use this to launch some sort of revival or you know next big wave thing and sure enough mm. within oh, within three days lou ingle's talking about the communion revival and how benny was the steward of the communion revival and he was imparted that mantle to take forward i'm like guys come on like because bill did the same thing with his dad i told you about yeah. this how when his dad died that was the offering up that sweet sacrifice of praise which there's beauty in that what he bills talks about is I didn't see my dad healed and i'm not going to question it but i also am going to use this moment to worship god for his goodness and Bill talks about this and told us multiple times about how like that's when revival broke out of Bethel after that is like that was the seed that was sown to break out revival. And they did the same thing with Benny of like, okay, well, we're going to take Benny's mantle and we're going to push this community revival. And I'm like, guys, come on. Like, mm-hmm. been there, done that. So I, I don't know what to say. Like, how, what, 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 how do you juggle that? I don't know. But it's just, yeah. it just sucks. You know, I so we just did an episode, uh, in in fact, it releases today with the day we're re- recording this, um, nice. and and uh, we are and we deal with the uh, the fact that um, Ken Copeland has a pacemaker, and yeah. the the, the yeah. word of faith guy, you know, yeah, and uh, we 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 named the video uh, Ken Copeland doesn't have enough faith. You know, because yeah. the fact that he, he I, we have we have video of him talking about this conversation with his physician, him going yeah. through the procedure of getting a pacemaker and then quote his theology from years past. And the yeah. two cannot be reconciled, uh, yeah. you know, you know, it, it. And so one of the things I've noticed in, you know, it, when it comes to false teachers like this that teach the importance and the necessity of miracles mm. and signs and wonders and prosperity and things like this, that yeah. when it doesn't work for them, they always get a pass. But when it doesn't yep. work for the average person, it's their mm-hmm. fault. Well, that's the kind of, yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, that's, like I said, when it doesn't work for them, there's some sort of unforgiveness or unbelief you're dealing with. That's why you're not getting healed. Yeah. And it's like, well, let's, let's, let's talk about that pacemaker, Mr. Copeland. Right. <laughs> it's like, what are you, what are you, what are you dealing with? Like what, what? Yeah. You know, how come it's okay for him to get medical treatment, but not for others? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it, it, it's like, there's. There's a lot of double standards. And it was kind of that death of a thousand cuts that kind of brought me out of it was where you start questioning these things and seeing these things and you, you try to rationalize it and justify it. And it's like, yeah, I, you can't, you can't. 
Yeah, one of the things that stood out in your first episode, we were talking about when you first got to uh, to Bethel, all the people who were prophesying because your name is Jesse. That you know, you know, that you know, <laughs> we're just going to pull out David's father and and prophesy things regarding you know you raising up Davids and nonsense like this. Oh yeah, how's that worked? Out? I how many got Davids that like five have, times. How, how many Davids <laughs> have you raised up since then? Uh, I mean, not not too many. <laughs> I mean, like. There, and that, here's the other thing, though. There's like a weird self-fulfillment in the prophecies because, like, I I did operate as a worship pastor and help raise people up to be worship leaders. So, do you consider that a David? But it's also like that's kind of like I don't know. It's like what what do you what do you like that? And that's what they're talking about a David. You're, you're going to raise up other worship leaders. And it's like oh, like okay, but like I'm not going to raise literal giant slayers. But but in the same breath, it's like. There's a whole bunch. I'm, I have so much to unpack with Bethel. It's insane. But like a whole episode just on like unpacking prophecies. Yeah. I, I'm, at one point, I still have some of my journals. At least I'm pretty sure I do. Of like back when I was at Bethel and I wrote down all my prophecies. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do an episode where I read through them. And oh, wow. See. Yeah. That's <laughs> going to be frightening. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like me wandering through the Bible I had when I was in Nazarene, and, uh, yeah. and like every single text that was highlighted was a law text. I didn't know what to do with the gospel, you, uh, know, you know. Yeah, you know, and 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 yeah, and so here he, here's the next question I have for you is that, that people will say something like, "Well, listen, just go to the Bethel website; they have an yeah. Orthodox Christian statement of faith. How how can you mm -hmm. say they're a cult? Yeah. How can you say yeah. that they're aberrant? I mean, they believe in the deity of Christ. They believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone. They believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. So therefore, ergo, they're they're not dangerous, and you you're just mm -hmm. nitpicking and causing disunity in the body of Christ." What do you say yep. to folks like that? The fruit. I mean, it comes down to the fruit. It's yeah. like you can have a great statement of faith, but you still have a guy who preached little God's doctrine. Yeah. What do you do with that? You, you, you can say that you have a great, you know, list out of your orthodoxy and what you believe in your, your, I guess, liturgy in a sense, but you still are teaching people to sin. And I say that, I can say that confidently, based on my understanding now, thanks to you, of what it means to use the Lord's name in vain. Right. And so when you're teaching people to practice prophecy, you're literally teaching people to sin. Yep. You're telling that, them, keep... There's no way around it. There's no way around it. It's like you're, you're, you're telling them it's okay to get it wrong. It's okay to assign the Lord's name to a promise you didn't keep and try and try again until you nail it. That's like saying, you know, practice uh, uh, adultery until you find the right wife. <laughs> it's like it doesn't, yeah, that, it doesn't that, that, work. That's not going to work that way. No, it's uh, not going to work. So yeah, practice adultery till you find your soulmate. You know, no, no, that ain't going to work. No, um, no, yeah. it, it, there's no. I, and like in my now, I, now that I have a healthy like catechized understanding of like this is what it means to break the commandment. You can't. There's no. You can't de de like. You can't delineate the two. It's one and the same. Because there's a severity to assigning the Lord's name to a promise, because His word never returns void. Yeah, and never. to just throw that out, to just throw that out there, and to make our God a God that that just gets things wrong and makes mistakes. How is He the all-knowing, omniscient, and all-powerful, beginning to the end God? Right. When He couldn't figure out what you what how, what broke your leg, and you're trying <laughs> to give some sort of word of knowledge. 
It yeah, work. Th- this is why I created Vincent. Hi, this is the Holy Spirit. You know, <laughs> Vince, Vincent is a bumbling idiot. You know, he's, he's incapable of like lucid thought, and he, he needs a lot of help with a lot of things. You know, so that but that ain't the, yeah. that ain't the Holy Spirit of Scripture. Now, yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the one of the things I've noticed is you know, and, and uh, I think I'm into self harm here, is that you know I I watch Bethel sermons with regularity, especially so if Bill Johnson is the one on stage. And yeah. one of the things I can legitimately say in the more than a decade that I have been really keeping an eye on their sermons. I have never heard Bill Johnson legitimately preach law and gospel, call yeah. peop- to peop- sinners to repentance and faith in Christ, the one who was crucified, bled, and died for their sins. I've never really heard a yeah. clear gospel presentation at all from this yeah. man. Have yeah. you? I mean, for those of you who've seen the clip, trailer American Gospel, you'll, you'll know that I haven't. And like, that was one of the problems is that like, I was there for three years and I heard gospel affiliated things and like gospel adjacent messages, Okay. but, but not really like a full on like Paul Washer gospel presentation. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> could you imagine Washer like, preaching at Bethel? <laughs> I would, I would pay money. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would fly out. I would. I would pay I would pay Bethel for them to do that. But it's like right. that's the thing is like I never really heard a full on gospel presentation where I where where I that's what I like I, I got to hear the the full on like you said, long gospel. There's yeah. always like this need like your need for a savior. Like and they have this new evangelist guy that some people are pushing that you know, he he has a great gospel message and I listen to it. I listen to it. I'm like but even in his message, he's not even saying what you're being saved from. It's like it's like you're being saved. It's like from what? Like what am I being what, what am I being saved from? The it's wrath like saved of God. from sin. You're being saved from yeah. the wrath of God. <laughs> it's like, but even then, it's like the assumption is you're being saved from sin. No, it's like you're being saved from hell. Okay, but who who sends you to hell? Who who's the judge? It's like there's yeah. there's all this stuff where it's like. It's it's almost there, but it's just like it's just you know close, but no cigar. It's like, you know, it just it's you know it, it's not a horseshoes and hand grenades thing. It's like you gotta nail it. Like you really have to yeah. like explain what are you being safe from, and that's not, that doesn't happen. It's like because that's 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 too scary to say. That's kind of like they don't say the mean things. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the one of the analogies I use. So when when somebody has a, an orthodox statement of faith, but they don't preach the same yeah. doctrines from the pulpit, I, I call that uh, filing cabinet orthodoxy. You know, mm. you know, we have a we have an orthodox statement of faith. It's in the filing cabinet. Let me see. See, we're orthodox. It's right here in the in yeah. the filing cabinet. But it, it, what's yeah. being preached from the pulpit is different. But the the other analogy I use from time to time is this idea of even if you hold to sound doctrine, you can say you believe in the mm. doctrine of the Trinity and, and the deity of Christ yeah. and the vicarious penal substitutionary death on the cross 
cross by Christ yeah. for the forgiveness of our sins so that we yeah. can be reconciled to God and not experience his wrath. Even if you believe those things, if you don't preach it and you preach a bunch of other stuff, then what ends up happening is, is that the gospel itself gets papered over. You, you, yeah. know, you, you remember that, maybe you don't, but uh, back in the day, Sorry. they used to have they, they used to have bills that they would, you know, they would, it says post no bills, they'd have walls, you know, you get, the, you know, you got a concert coming up and you, and people, they put uh, promo posters up, you know, so that oh, people yeah, yeah, know. Oh, yeah, 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 Okay. I live in Seattle for a while, so yeah, they still okay, have a lot of Right, okay, so they still do that in Seattle. Seattle still has a, has a music scene. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but you'll note that, you know, the, the, the posters that were there last week are papered over by the ones for this mm-hmm. week, and then those get papered mm-hmm. over and those get papered over. Uh, you know, yeah. so at one point, you know, if you, if you hang out in Roman Catholicism long enough, by accident, you're going to hear the gospel, okay? Yes. Because it, it'll show up in the lectionary readings. Uh, you know, so they yeah. actually, they, they still follow a lectionary. So you can actually hear the gospel because the, the verses that contain the gospel will be read from the lectern. Yeah. But the yeah. thing is, is that the gospel itself gets papered over with prayers to the yeah. saints and, and prayers to the Virgin Mary mm-hmm. and purgatory and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It gets papered over. It's in there somewhere, but you yes. can't, you, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the least of the doctrines because no one really comments on it. No one can really com- communicate it correctly because the most important yeah. stuff is all the other stuff. Was that mm-hmm. was that your experience at BSSM and Bethel that you know that yeah. the, the, the focus on the other things kind of papered over the sound doctrine bits? I, I think that's a good way to do it. Put it because the school is there to help you. The idea of the school is like they want to they want to make sure you have your stuff already figured out. Like you're a Christian, you you know the basics. Like you know you got that all figured out because you're coming here to like I kind of equate it to like like um, boot camp versus like SEAL training. It's like boot camp is like every other Christian. Like they got the basics. They can you know they can do all the stuff. They're in good shape. They have the basics figured out, and you could send them out and they could do it. But if you want to be a Navy SEAL you have a whole nother level of training to do. And once it, and so that that's kind of what Bethel is like, you can be a Christian, but if you really want to learn how to do like all the other stuff, you come here. And so that's partially why the gospel isn't like presented or articulated because you're not really going over that. Right. The fact that they would like even see themselves as like the, the elite Navy SEALs of Christianity is just laughable to me. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you and see, that's the thing is that, you know, I, I think that they're they're laboring under a strong delusion because you, know, you look at the olive incident, which is just tragic on so many levels. Yeah. Uh, you know, including yeah. the fact that this little girl's corpse was sitting in the morgue mm. while they're trying to raise her yeah. from the dead. It, it and and it's sat there for more than a week. It was this is a mess. And yeah. then you, you know, you look at the fact that uh, Bill Johnson's son, he's deaf. You know, yeah. and then you look at Benny Johnson, and then you know you, you start yeah. look, and then one of my favorites was when Bethel shut down their healing rooms because of COVID. During COVID, yep. I mean, how can you say that you're the elite Navy SEALs of Christianity when the elite Navy SEAL level fight comes to your 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 backyard and you guys aren't on the front line valiantly fighting it? You're like capitulating and getting the snot kicked out of you. It's like a fire truck on fire. <laughs> <laughs> what fire? <laughs> it's like, well, should we put the fire out? I don't know how we put the fire out. <laughs> With the water. 
<laughs> Put it out already. Come on. It's like, do we deal with COVID? How? With your healing ministry. Deal with it. Like, get right. Rid of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Kozar, you know, made the point that, you know, that the, these guys, these these faith healers, including BSM, BSSM folks, they should have been on the front line fighting COVID. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. I agree. Like, I remember when I was, I just left Washington when I got back to Delaware and the COVID stuff started breaking out. And that was the first things I was curious about. And then when I started seeing everyone pop up on Zoom meetings and Bethel canceling, I was like, man, guys, like you, you got to know this is a bad look. Like they, there's no way they're getting around that. Like such right. a bad look. Yeah. But it's still, it still didn't put a dent on them, it seems like. And then they had a they had a like an outbreak of COVID it, mm-hmm. at BSSM among the students, and they had yeah. to shut they had to shut the the in class you know the in the in person mm-hmm. classes down for a while, yeah. you know so yeah. the 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 supernatural Navy Seal glow in the dark Christians weren't even able to you know put an end to COVID among them. <sighs> no, no, and. <laughs> Okay, I, I, you know Jesse, I, I get the feeling I'm just gonna have to ask you to come back on because <laughs> you know the reality Honestly, is there, there's so much. Like that's that's partially why I started my channel because like every time I'd see someone talk about stuff and I'm like, because I was like, there's a lot of people who've commented on Bethel, but I don't, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I just don't feel like there's anyone who's talked about or commented on Bethel that like was there yeah. for so long. And there's just so many things where it's like you're getting close to it, but you're missing so much. And there's just so many things to talk about and like to just, for lack of a better term, spill the beans on where it's like, oh, guys, if you only knew. Yeah. <laughs> if you only knew the half of it, but I would love nothing more to come back. That's for sure. Yeah, we're we're, we're gonna have to do that. But let, let me let me ask you. This will be my last question for okay. this interview yeah. because I, I reserve the right to ask you back, <laughs> yeah, especially as your Breaking Bethel series uh, develop uh, develops. And I and mm-hmm. I know the the answer to this in part. But uh, okay. of the people that you went to BSSM with, the the people you yeah. graduated with, um, what percentage of your graduating class are still Christians to this day? So I can't put a percentage on it, but I can say that the ones I'm able to see and keep tabs on based on those numbers, if I were to extrapolate that to a grander scale, it wouldn't look good. Okay. Just because like based on the, the, the small pool of people that I have that I keep in touch with or, or keep tabs on. And if I just took those numbers and then extrapolate it to the whole graduating class, it couldn't be good. Like I would say majority of the people that I've kept in touch with have either left the faith have gone to Eastern religions or are like universalists. Wow. Like everything from, I mentioned it a little bit, but I have, I have some friends that were, that basically went straight on to, uh, first they came out as uh, homosexuals and then it went further than that. <laughs> and then it went to like Wiccans and mm. then just like, and, and, and like, and they might even watch this. And if you see this, I love you guys. Um, you know, I've, yeah, we, we you know if they see us, you know who you are. I love you. Um, but they even went as far as I think one of them was like a youth pastor while practicing Wiccan, and then another one was, um, and then on top of that, it was like, how just how do you go from there? Like, how do you? I just don't understand. Like, partially I do. I take it back. Partially I do understand because I went down that road a little bit myself. Like, I was an atheist yeah. for a little bit after Bethel. Um. And for those of you don't know, like if you haven't read the article, Andreas Wajet, he's an awesome guy. Uh, I think Thinking Deeper is his YouTube. I, can't, I forget. But he put out on his blog, that was kind of the first, my first kind of coming out was my article with him. And I talked a little bit about that with how I was in the atheist camp for a while because you just, 
once you kind of realize what everything you the current theology you have is just in shambles you then like and you really have another place to go you kind of just think well was any of this real and it's it's it is it is hard work like it is work to redo your theology like it just is there's no it's it's just you're it's theology is not light it's like there's a lot to it which is why i have such respect for like people like you and other pastors and ministers and theologians that have put the work in to help us understand because there's so much to it and you have to be willing to just say i was wrong and just take a gut punch after gut punch of like oh i can't believe i did that i believe that yeah and for me i did i almost didn't want to put in the work but the only the driving force for me was my kids and wanting to give them i i just couldn't see them raising them in the atheistic worldview i didn't know how to do it and so rebuilding my faith was my only option so and i had to literally approach it like a child i did sunday school with my kids yeah and that was like and i was weeping over sunday school lessons (laughs) because i'm just like i never heard this like this yeah like it wrecked me so like as as far as alumni that are still in the faith like there's there's a lot of fallout and it's it's tough to see it's everything all over from it's it's rough it's rough so yeah 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 for my wife and i i i I always tell people who, who who are coming out of these uh these bad churches that it took barb and i a good 10 years to 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 work through all of this yeah. And, and and even after 10 years, you know, there would still be the occasional, oh, wait, I used to believe this, but that's not what this text says. It says the opposite of it. And you'd have and it's a little yeah. easier to clean. You, not, you're, you're cleaning up smaller bits, but there's a, there were some big blocks that had to move. Yeah. And it took some, it took a long time. I was scared to even read my Bible. Yeah, I because I, I, I couldn't read it like to take your turn. The narcissist Jesus, like I couldn't I everything I read was a narcissist Jesus like extrapolation like i didn't know how to read the bible without doing that yeah like i, I just didn't i didn't know where to start and yeah. it just made it impossible for you like that that alone was like how do i jump back into this if i can't if i'm gonna do it i'm just gonna screw this up again yeah no and, and it sounds like we were, we were kind of on a similar track because when barb and i came out yeah. of the latter rain my wife looked at me and she says oh, i don't even who can we trust and I yeah. said, I don't think we can trust anybody at the moment. And and, it, and then she said, Well, what are we supposed what do we to do? do? What's what's the truth? And I, and I and I, this was the most profound thing I said at the time. I said, I think the Bible's true, but I don't think we know what it means. <laughs> you know, and and that was the best I could come up with at the time. Yeah. And, yeah. and and that's scary. It's scary. yeah, it's so scary. absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, but then began really a lifelong journey of uh, of studying mm-hmm. the word. And, yeah. and and having to change some pretty big things along the way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. So I, 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 let's just say you continue to be in my prayers because you have been in my prayers. And nice uh, I, I, I'm watching your journey uh, with the, with joy and hope. So, you know, because I, I know the road that you're on and it's, there's parts of it that are just hard and dark. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I don't envy you having to go through all of it. But uh, let, let me, let me, let me say this. So uh, you, those of you, who want to follow Jesse Westwood on his YouTube channel as he unpacks his time at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. The, the name of the series is Breaking Bethel. What's the name mm-hmm. of your channel again, Jesse? It's just The Westwood Home. Uh, the Westwood Home. Kind of the Westwood Home, yeah. We're doing a couple things. We're doing, we're doing the Breaking Bethel. And just for clarity, the name Breaking Bethel, 
my wife was so hesitant about that name. She's like, sounds like you're just like breaking them, like you're breaking them apart. I'm like, no, no, no. It's it's a play on of, of breaking down my yeah, experience yeah. there. Like yeah. I'm not going to like barat like any animosity of wanting to destroy Bethel. Like it's not right. But I mean it's a cool product of it. Okay, cool. But I'm not going in there trying to like destroy Bethel. It's breaking down my time, hence the name breaking Bethel. Yeah. Um but we're also doing along with that, we're doing we have a homestead. And so we just we love raising animals and food and gardening, and so we're we're doing that as well, and kind of the, the parallels and reform theology with homesteading that we're finding. Nice. That's been fun All right. So uh, the Westwood Home is the YouTube channel. We're going to put a link down to the uh, the first and second episode of the Breaking Bethel mm-hmm. series that you're putting out. I think it's going to be important, and I'm looking forward to to seeing uh, each new installment. And uh, I should let everybody know that uh, <laughs> as soon as we're done with the interview, uh, we're, we're going to record the next installment of Prophecy Bingo, and you're going to be our special guest for that. I don't know how you're going to survive, <laughs> sir. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I'm worried. <laughs> you, I already gave you a small taste of what it is that w- what's in store for us. So, but yeah. Uh, yeah so and and hopefully we'll ha- we'll get that out next week. I think we're we're, we're planning on releasing the uh, the prophecy bingo on uh, a week from Friday. So you know keep okay. keep that in mind because okay. uh, people always want to know when's the next prophecy bingo. Well, we're we're recording it today. It'll come yeah. out a, a little more than a week from. Today, and uh, and if uh, if uh, we don't have to call nine one one for Jesse while we're recording it, we'll, we'll consider that to be a plus. Die of cringe, <laughs> die of cringe. Yeah, what did he die from? He had the bad... first no case of cringe mortality. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it could become an epidemic. So, well, well, Jesse, thank you for your time, and uh, and I, I pray the the best for you and your family, and uh, and that the uh, the the videos that you're putting out will absolutely be a benefit for the body of Christ yeah. as they wrestle with the same yeah. issues that you're bringing up. Yeah. So let me let me sign off here and uh, and and then we'll 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 join together again for prophecies bingo shortly. So hang on a second here. Uh, so if you found this interview uh, with Jesse Westwood helpful, all the information on how you can share this video is down below, as well as the links to uh, the first two installments of Jesse's uh, Breaking Bethel series. And, and, and until next time, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.